0: What is up everybody? Welcome to the Halftime Snacks Podcast. This show features short interviews that you can listen during the halftime of your favorite sports events. Every Tuesday I host fun conversations with talented people in the sports industry where we'll learn from their stories, knowledge, and experiences. So go grab your favorite snack and come snack with us. Are you ready? Let's go! us for a quick half-time snack is an award-winning innovator whose background is packed with experiences in technology sports and marketing this man is the former co-founder of squaka one of the f- world's fastest growing digital media and entertainment businesses in football which he sold for over 1 million euros a few years ago currently he runs halfspace a marketing agency with clients in sports and entertainment that delivers engagement growth and monetizations to their clients through innovative strategies and creative content. Today's episode will be jammed with lessons in sports marketing, entrepreneurship, content and more. Without further ado, ladies and gents, Sanjit Atwal. Nice to be here, Renan. How are you, Sanj?
1: I'm very well, my friend. I'm very well. Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: We're celebrating your kid's birthday today, so let's have a blast (laughs) of an episode, man. I want to kick it off with an icebreaker, and I want to ask you, who's your favorite historical figure, Sanj?
1: I'm really into polymaths, right? I'm really into guys and girls who know a lot of different things and specialize in a lot of different things. Um, So you go back and you look at people like Isaac Newton, right? Like literally a master of many different disciplines and there'd never really been anything like that before. Da Vinci was a polymath uh, uh, as well. Um, not many people in the sports world know that my degree uh, at university was actually in film and television. So that was like my first first, first proper career. Um, and the great thing about learning about directors in film, loads of the really top ones are polymaths as well. Look at David Lynch, makes some really amazing movies, brilliant artist as well, and really into his music as well these are the
0: kind of people i like nice nice i like those i like those historical figures man an absolute polymath that you are sanjeet we're going to be talking about so many of your of the things you've been into, man, content, squaka, advertising industry, everything that you've built, you know, for the last ten years. So let's let's just kick it off with a question that I've been having for in my mind for a lot of time. And that is also because I'm a creator of content. You know, I publish the newsletter every week and I also publish podcast episodes. So I always wonder like what's more important for, for a content creator? Is it the quality of the content or the distribution? What are your thoughts about that?
1: Um, I think it's changed a lot over the years. Um, right now, where we are in human history, it's the easiest it's ever been to get reach and distribution. Like it's never been easier. Uh, You've you, you, you got five euro, you can go get distribution, right? Off of Facebook or Twitter or wherever you wanna go. You can hit up somebody else's channel and get, get them to pump you out. You can go meet someone and they put you in a newsletter or whatever. Human beings didn't have that before. So when everybody can get reach, is distribution really that important? Yes, it's, it's, it's obviously important to do it, but it is, that's the easy part. The hard part is the quality of the content. The hard part is um, building something that a certain demographic is really engaged in. They, they really get it uh, and, and they live it. Everybody in sports actually in the content business not many people actually know they're in the content business <laughs> they, they, they think there may be something else but ultimately it is about the content and and the, the quality of production and what you're building um and and you've got to understand why it's quality as well and that's kind of i think the cusp where a lot of great youtubers great great TikTok tock creators great people on instagram they know why their content is good and they are able to hone it i guess the next real stage for sport is really trying to figure out getting under the skin of the content and really figuring out what works and what doesn't. Because um, the distribution is all there, right? People still want content to distribute across linear and um, OTT and all these other channels.
0: So was that was that the way you you guys started Squaka, like trying to, you know, get a step ahead in the quality of the content and putting it out just as everyone else is doing and seeing what was sticking and what was not and then repeating what was sticking or what was the initial, you know, strategy for you guys when you started that company?
1: Yeah, re- re- really good question. Um, I started that business in uh, 2011 uh, with a friend of mine, Leo. Um, we were both really big football fans um, and we were looking around at the football ecosystem online and look there's, there's there's a ton of places you can go for like content in football right there is there's so many it must be a million places at least but the angle that wasn't really looked at 10 years ago was statistics um and and real-time statistics in football there were you know halftime on, on Sky Sports or um or, or on um the BBC you might have a few statistics halfway through a match but nothing really meaningful. Um we decided that the way that we would get into the content business was through technology. Um we would license a load of raw data we'd build technology to visualize that data in real time and then build a content business around it. So start to explain the world's biggest game in a way that had never been explained before. I saw a really um, uh, fascinating post uh, just before the end of last year. And it was talking about the 10 biggest innovations in football in the world over the last 10 years. What have been the biggest things? There was VAR, of course. There was like, the way that medical technology works now. People can get better and fitter and quicker and all this kind of stuff. Out of all of the 10, statistics not, was not one of them, which I was amazed by. But then I was also kind of like happy by it because it meant that we'd done such a good job like really driving statistics into the game that it was now just a common thing it's everywhere now um and the only way we really figured out how the content was going to work was create a load of it right create loads and loads and you get it out there with a really good content team really smart guys um and you start to figure out okay well this kind of content works best for this subset of fan at this time of the day and then over a period of time if as long as you're building a team correctly and they're nuanced enough to be able to feed back from what's happening in social what's happening on the website newsletters podcasts videos all this kind of stuff they build out a real good knowledge of what works and what doesn't um and i think that's when a content business really starts to move is when you understand you know, like like someone like a baseball sports, like in, in in the states, like the way that they produce the content and the way they ramp that out. They know what works. They, they, they've they've got the science and the creativity behind it, and they're kind of hitting each of those strands with with these inbuilt revenue streams of YouTube and uh, and all this kind of stuff alongside sponsorship. Um, the, these are the, the, these are the areas that Squawk have really started to launch itself into, and it was yeah, it was a content business. Um, it was also a tech business, um, and it's about building those two things together to create something special in football.
0: One of my lessons probably in the content, you know, side of things is or probably one of the weaknesses that I see in the content side of things is that the lag the there's a lag in the in the results put in, like represented from the efforts that you guys put. I'm sure that Uh, You guys have some experience with that. But I want to know if there was any point in time where you were like, are we really doing this? Is this really, you know, going to hit it off one day? Is this going to be, you know, something or are we just, you know, putting a lot of effort into into something that, you know, maybe we're not seeing enough results as of now? I wonder if there was a point in time where you were like, man, this is pointless. Like, what are we doing? Like, and then like kind of like a little bit later, start to hit it off.
1: Um.
0: Look, the, the, when you're starting a business or you're
1: your own creator, stuff's always hard, right? It will always be hard. Everything, even like the good times, are hard. It, that's just the kind of nature of the piece, right? That's what you're, that's what you're kind of going into. There wasn't any time when um, any of us turned around and said, oh, this isn't going to work or this is wrong and yeah, we're wasting our time, whatever, because you, it's very difficult to start a business with that kind of DNA in you right so you you probably see over a period of time when you um interview um entrepreneurs or successful entrepreneurs successful people in any in any in any any field the key um traits that they all have is resilience right um check out a a book called grit by angela duckworth um she spent years years and years and years um studying successful people in, in all, all areas not just athletes or entrepreneurs but scientists um, doctors everyone and the single trait that she picked out to say but this is what defines success this is what this is the thing it's not talent it's not any of these other things they're great but resilience is a single uh, recurring trait and I think when you look at really good entrepreneurs when you look at people great creators they don't have that 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 feeling of Um, and this is all rubbish that we've got to just stop this and go yeah there's some things that work and some things don't work but they have the resilience to go okay great now how are we going to improve on that how are we going to go to that next stage um resilience is a nice way of saying it for uh, uh, for some people it's just pure pigheadedness it's just pure you know stupidity like i'm just going to keep on going and let's see what happens right you you see a lot of that with very successful people they're they're kind of blinkered to the rest of the world they're just so super focused i don't recommend being like that because you know you miss out on a lot of other stuff but having that resilience in you that's that's really what it's about
0: we're going to be le- talking a little bit more about the lessons from building Squaka and everything a little bit later, but I want to first ask you, uh, Sanjit, one question, and that is that, man, you've been, uh, of course, you've consultant clients, you know, big clients in both sports, media, entertainment, television, you have such a background in television and as, as, film, as you mentioned, so kind of like you've been in the advertising industry, you know exactly what how it works, you kind of like... Your home you have a home field advantage when we're talking about um about advertising. So I wanna know if there's any like Three things that you would, you know, advise yourself when you were 18 years old or things that you wish you knew when you were 18 years old, just starting out in the advertising industry. I guess that it, it has changed a lot since you were, you know, 18 years old. I'm not saying that you're old, Sanjit. I'm just saying that t- things change super fast. <laughs> they do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. what, what are some of the things that you wish you knew if you were, you know, 18 years old right now? Um. I, I think there's a, there's a few things. First of all,
1: any uh, at 18, you think you know everything, right? And you know you actually know nothing. It's it's, it's the opposite side of things. Um, uh, you know, I finished university at 21 uh, and went into film and TV and advertising then. Um, and I, I guess the thing that I didn't really appreciate was what the economy of ideas actually is. Right, how. How an idea gets into in, to turn into something and, and 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 is actually making money for someone. It's not just about having one big idea and that's it. It's like what's the process? Like what are what are all of the stakes in the chain that that make this thing work? So so that that would be definitely one thing. Second second thing is some of the best training I ever had um, was uh, in advertising on the sales side, like how to sell advertising to brands. I, I wish I'd had that earlier because not that. Everybody wants to be a salesperson, but having a grasp of how sales works in advertising and media is one of the biggest um, uh, biggest tools you can have in your kit. Right, just being able to converse in that land and being able to use those skills, massive. Um, and if if I could really go back in time and uh, and uh, and do that, as you're saying, probably um yeah it's a bit like back to the future right when you go back and you've got like the, you've got all the all the statistics yeah. <laughs> for like what 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 all the sports scores would be for me it would be um trying to um impart the lessons that the convergence of platform and creator economy has, has shown the world now right because it's a whole new thing it just wasn't here it wasn't here when i was 18 years old or even 21 years old um it that has really instigated so much more in in media in creativity in sport in entertainment um and i think if you went back all that time and somebody knew pre pre preordained that this is what was going to happen you could probably do pretty well for yourself I can't say.
0: what is what is the, the biggest or one of the biggest things that really has impressed you the most or things that you know are you're really shocked that really changed and they're new now that weren't as then, like, can you have, like, give us an example or two? You, you're going to have to say social,
1: right? Like, because that's just how like there wasn't back then. There was MySpace. Right. And that was the big that was the big social network. Um, but that wasn't where people consume news. Right. It wasn't something that was trying to take over the way that people spent their entertainment time. It was more you know, like dating and stuff like that. So the way that people consume content, that's just fundamentally different from, from from how things were back then, including podcasts as well.
0: Totally true. Totally true. Um, let's talk about Squaka, man. Wow. It's one of my favorite businesses in football. It's one of my favorite uh, pages to see on Twitter when I'm um, in my football or, or soccer, as they know it in these States, uh, list in Twitter. So... Very very big fan of the type of content that they deliver always you know related to statistics as you mentioned um but let's just talk about the business as itself as what it what it means so, to like redevelop such a business you know a a business on that size recognized by you know any kid in the planet that knows about football knows about squaka so or and also selling i guess that you know the negotiation the process and everything so I wouldn't know if you can just you know give us a little bit of your experience or your lessons on that um How did it really build up to the point where you were, you know, convinced that it was something uh, you wanted to sell and you wanted to, you know, either keep working on it or not? And, like, you know, just guide us through, like, what was going on in your mind at the time and some of the lessons that you learned along the way. Um,
1: I guess, guess first of all, when you're you're starting a business and when I started my first business with Leo, like, 10 years ago, none of it was about, hey, this is how much money we. can it just wasn't thing lots of people do do that and that's absolutely fine um that that's just never been my my thing um so it was never about well yeah we can turn this into an 800 million pound business or this or that or, or whatever it's more about believing that if you created something cool and and you, you put a good business model behind it it would be one you'd have lots of fun you'd learn loads of things and there's a way that you want to live your life right um but then also that it's something that could potentially make 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 money in the future um the the business was um self-funded to begin with my, my business partner sold his previous business so he put he put money in um, and then you know we weren't paid paid for the first year or so like we just kind of you know, just worked hard and you know tried, tried to build it up then when we realized we had something that would turn out pretty big um we started doing the whole fundraising thing uh which is a whole other Uh, world of madness like raising cash and you know presenting to venture capitalists and and all this kind of stuff it's a whole new world I'd never experienced um just like when I was 18 I thought I knew everything you know I was now 29 um starting my first business I was like hey I know everything like this is gonna be easy I can oh oh you want me to go pitch this guy for money not a problem I can go do that I was like actually no I can't do that That's just like a whole other world but you learn right you learn and I was like I became quite good at it and um over uh, over the period of years, um, you know, went from funding round to funding round to funding round, carried on raising cash, um, and then uh, eventually um, executed um, a deal with uh, Fremantle Media, who are in by RTL and Bertelsmann. Um, and then they basically had control of the business at that point. Um, and you know, they they wanted to go in a certain direction with it. Yeah, it's their business at that point, so so that's fine. Um, and then they eventually sold it again to Katina Media, who are the now owners, and they've they've really grown the business. I think they were probably the right owners for for, for the business ultimately. Um, but going through that process is it's like is what you would imagine. It's super stressful. You never really know what's going to happen when. Um, I guess looking back, I would say that the the big deal is not always necessarily the right deal, if that makes sense. Like, it's it's quite hard to see. What is, uh, expression over here is seeing the wood through the trees, right? It's like if you're in the middle of the forest and like there's trees all around you, you don't know what's on either side. You can just see the trees, <laughs> and that's it. You're like, cool, let's go that way or that way or that way. Um, but if you were a bit higher up looking around you could see oh okay over there there's a water over there there's a town or, or or whatever um so you don't you never really know that stuff and you never really know your way around the corporate environment of you know selling businesses and you know all this kind of stuff what what i do know is we we, we managed over a period of six years to build the most amazing team like we had 55 people um, by the time that i'd let i was leaving and you know that it was just the most incredible place and you look around the football media industry, particularly now, there are so many people that all came from school. So many top journalists now, their first job was sport because we gave everybody a shot. Like we had loads of interns, we had we 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 were just creating so much content all the time that we 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 knew everyone. Now I go onto Twitter and I'll see journalists talking about a, a random match in I don't know Italy somewhere in Syria. I'm like oh yeah that guy I know that guy he's worked for, or 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 that girl over there she was one of our journalists or or whatever um so I'm I'm very proud that we managed to help launch so many great careers um in that business but but yeah startups are hard man and <laughs> they're, they're they're really hard we, we spoke about resilience you you've got to understand yourself and your strengths and what you're not good at just as much as you need to understand what you're good at um you know something that i like to do is just surround myself with people that you know they're, they're way better than me at certain things that's you've just got to have it uh, in, in, in whatever you're doing because you can't do everything you cannot be everywhere um uh, at the same time um, and, and like I said before, if your sole goal is yeah, money in, in this stuff, then there are, there are easier ways to go out and achieve money, right? There, there, are, there are easier ways to do it than starting a startup. That is not the rationale for going for, for game cash. Um, a startup is, um, you yeah, know, you're trying to create something. You have a desire to create something. And yes, you want cash eventually, but um, it's more about the journey,
0: I think. Is there you have any regrets about selling it? Um, I, I think it's very
1: difficult to, to ever say ever say that anything was a regret because you're learning, right? It, it, it's it's that uh, you, you you're literally there going, okay, now I know this was good or this is bad or this is how to do negotiation here and don't do that again or you know here's a warning flags you should look for from an investor or, or whatever. You don't know this stuff, um, and it's it's actually pretty much impossible to to, to to look back and say I wish I hadn't done that because. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy where I am right now. So, like, you, you don't know how
0: things would have would, would, would have would have panned out. I think. I see. I see. I think that's a that's a great takeaway. Um, what is your vision? You've been working in sports marketing and all the things that we mentioned. What is the future of sports marketing in your eyes? How is it going to be changed with the new technologies? How is Half Space working towards it? What are your thoughts about that? Um, well, when I left Squawker
1: um I, I i was looking to looking at the sports industry and looking at rights holders particularly like football clubs and people like that trying to understand well what the hell is your business like what is it like really what what is it even though squawker was in the sports industry it wasn't in the business of sport right we weren't a rights holder we we, we didn't work with football clubs. we were a media business media technology because we worked for fans but i was really curious about how like a football club ran their operation. so over the course of 2017 um i did loads of consultancy work um you know uh, brentford football club gave me my first shot this is just on my own uh fulham football club did a bit of work for them um a load and few other sports as well and what i was really interested in was okay digitally and from the technology and content point of view general marketing how are you guys set up what what connects to what like where's where does all the plumbing go is there plumbing or you just say there's something and there is nothing there? Um, and sometimes it was that case. Um, the first learning that I had was when I was talking to people like football clubs about data, they, they just thought I meant email addresses. Uh, and lots of people in sport thought that's what data was. And, and that's fine. It's a massively important part of the data setup. It's not the only part by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and, and that was a bit of a shock. And then I also saw that so many football clubs and everybody like this had so many agencies around them they, they literally had like six or seven like all, all doing slightly different things and i thought like, wow you guys are supposed to be spending a lot of money and you're quite a small club like why are you why are you doing this it doesn't make any sense and you start to realize that because their teams are so small really like most apart from the top 0.01 percent soccer clubs in the world everybody else's teams are pretty small Right. And they've been hired from within or they're ex-journalists, whatever. And now they've got to, you know, run a sponsorship campaign across Facebook, for example. Like they that's they, not what they've been trained to do. Um and you start to think that, okay, hang on a minute, there's a better model here. Because ultimately, what's been happening in not just football, in 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 nearly all sports, is this really weird space where people are spending way too much on their marketing and commercial operations with loads of agencies, loads of suppliers everywhere, all this kind of stuff but because they're not putting the right data in at the start of that that journey, start of that funnel, they're not getting the most efficient results. So they're spending too much and not getting enough. It's literally a CFO's nightmare. It's crazy. Like well, actually sport is this sport is fundamentally a bit of a broken uh, broken industry in the way that it's set up, and the, the, one of the problems that sport has is also its strength. It's so tribal, it's so passionate. Sport's never really had to work hard to get eyeballs they had to work hard to get distribution in in all all that course of human history when everyone's struggling for reach sport had it because it's sport and guess what anybody can have it now is this kid on instagram this kid on tiktok's got more reach than you football club what are you talking about like and he hasn't done anything like he's he's opening a soda soda bottle with his teeth like you know this is the world we live in now um so sport has not worked hard enough right at, at, at trying to compete you look at something like fintech, you look at like e-commerce, you look at these areas, you look at how scientific every part of a user journey is and, 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 and how everything is analysed. And I was in e-commerce before I started Scorpio, so you know, I know about these things. And I was like, guys, if you just worked as hard as these guys did, you'd blow everybody else out the water with your product from a commercial point. You, you should be brilliant. You're already good, but you could be over here and figuring out how to position a business to say, right, put data at the heart of everything. And this is how it's gonna affect the rest of your business in terms of commercial, marketing, rights, sponsorship, ticketing, all all of these kind of areas. And this was was four years ago now. And I think that what we're seeing now in, in the whole of the sports industry globally is more of a shift to not just digital transformation, it's more of a shift towards audience, right? Trying to understand audience and how audience impacts them in multiple different channels on the same day, in the same minute, in the same second. Like, how does that happen? It's not just that we've got a baseball game on, that's our product. Yeah, that's your product, but it's only on once every XXX amount of time. Your fans don't stop being fans at one o'clock in the morning living in Buenos Aires, right? Just, and there's no and there's an game on. So, what's your strategy here? How are you being part of their universe? How are you doing that? And, and I think that this shift to audience is the big, and I'm, I'm very careful about not saying fans necessarily. I think it is about audience. The shift to audience, I think, is the big change that's coming. Understanding audience and understanding how to tailor your proposition to them. And to understand that, you've got to get really deep into the data. You've got to get really deep into the audience data, understanding. Their, their affinities understanding you know their socioeconomic status the, these kind of things because th- this is how you're going to best communicate with them and and help them enjoy your products this is this is what it is work like a fintech brand think like a fintech brand like work as hard as they do have a comparable tech stack these kind of things and I'll, as an add-on to that i would say probably the, the single biggest danger the danger trap that sports um organizations rights holders governing bodies have been falling into is, and this may sound slightly contradictory because I have been praising the platform economy, is putting all of their content, their great stuff, all into just YouTube or Instagram or, or whatever. Even though you get massive reach there and it's great and you can monetize some of that content, not all of it, some of it, and it's no revenue share or whatever. As good as that stuff is, that data does not belong to you. That data belongs to the Zuckerberg. That data belongs to jack dorsey you know wh- whoever is behind the platform that you're on and getting people in sports to understand that and athletes as well that's one of our critical missions is helping people get that because at the bare bones of where the advertising industry is sponsorship commercial big commercial revenue like that where that's going is if you're out pitching a new sponsor and saying hey guys you can on the front of our shirts you can name our stadium You've got access to our fans and all this exposure. That's great. We've already discussed how easy it is to get reached these days, right? Very, very easy. You don't need to pay 20 million in sponsorship to get that. The issue comes when that brand turns around and says, oh, hang on a minute. I can just buy your fans on Facebook for 21p a click. What do I need you for? And... Sponsorship is not just about reach or, or 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 the clicks, you know, it's about credibility, it's about so association, it's about so many other things. However, when you're really in a tough economy and lots of lots of countries around the world are gonna be in tough economies for the next five to six years, that's just what COVID's done and you know it's bad anyway. When you when you're talking to brands like that, they're looking at the bottom line, right? Ultimately. They're like, well, what are we gonna spend here? How are we gonna do this? I don't need to do sponsorship with you guys because I can just buy your fans on Facebook and yeah, you know, whatever. I'll run a strategy around that. And, and that's cool. The power of sports as a, as an engagement tool is what people should be selling. But if you're selling that and you haven't got the de- equitable data set to Facebook to back that up, I think you're dead in the wardrobe. I think you're dead. What, what are you, what are you selling? ultimately here like how are you competing with this you're not and you have willingly given away your data it's not just someone's coming that come up with a new strategy you're just pushing all of your content (laughs) into these other channels and you've got no control over the data there's no ownership there so building out these really um coherent first-party data strategies as well as doing your other platform stuff super important don't stop doing that You've got to be building your first-party data strategy as well. It will affect you in so many more ways than your email CRM list, right? It's just so many other things it's going to affect for you in the future as a business. Um, And and I guess that's one of the problems with sport, right? I mean, football clubs in the UK, a lot of them, they're they're, they're kind of part business. They're probably more social institution, right? They're they're, they're local. They're local. They do stuff for their fans. All the sponsors are local. And they're at the heart of the community, and that's fine. To ramp up the thinking into becoming a, a proper modern content-led business and these are the things that make it happen.
0: So interesting how it ties up to the first discussion that we had regarding product or distribution, right? How soccer really has the distribution, but what about the product, right? Try to you know as a, as an organization try to put up some you know effort on that on that part using the data that you already have and, and trying to understand more about your audience. And it, it's so interesting that you that you that you say that because you know even as content creators, I'm sure that you you. You felt this the same way, you know, at some point in Squaka, but it's all about really knowing what they like and what they enjoy more to create engagement, right? So it's not about how many followers do you have, but it's more like how many followers engage with what you post and engage with what you share. And so I guess that it's so interesting to see, you know, this shift and what you mentioned, man, it really blew my mind. Like if you think about it, you're mostly competing against companies that already own the data, Right, you are already competing against Facebook, and and I don't see like you know Manchester United even that it is the big the biggest club in the world. I don't see it competing against Facebook. Like they're not even close, right? It's a technology company versus an um, entertainment pro- provider. So, trying to be creative, using technology to find ways to learn about your audience and get closer to your audience without the need. To use Facebook or any other other platforms out there, I think that's key. And and if that, if I understand correctly, that's what you mean, Sanj. You, is there anything else that you want to add? It is super interesting. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, I, I I I I definitely don't want people to go away from listening to this and think, oh, hey, we should stop doing our social platforms. That is just not what I'm saying. Like, you just go harder on it. Put even do it, get it even tighter on your strategy there. But what I'm saying is. Alongside that, there has to be a really strong first party data collection st- strategy on your own side, on your owned and operated platforms, on your websites, on your apps, any the other products that you're bringing out that you own. Um, and, and th- this 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 is quite an interesting one. And when you look at Real Madrid and you know they're talking about you know the the, the billion fans or whatever that they've got around the world, it's like, yeah, we've got most massive most biggest fan base in the world, never any club, any rights holder, any sport ever. It's like, well, you do and you don't, because one of the things that we do a lot of work our in, in half space is figuring out levels of fandom so you may have someone who's following you on facebook and they're going to every home they're a season ticket holder they're going to every home match you know they're buying the the, 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 the the kit every year they're buying the the mini one for their their kids you know and they're, they're, they're buying presents for the rest of their family and their friends or, or whatever hospitality once a year maybe you've got all of that and then you may have a, a fan um, in Southeast Asia somewhere who loves the club, it's, it's great. They're following on Facebook and they may be catching some catching every game in a bar or at home or whatever, and they're buying some stuff online, but highly unlikely they're gonna be coming over to the game, they're gonna be at that level of hospitality and these other kind of things. I'm not saying that person's not a fan, I'm saying there's levels to fan, need to be understood to be able to maximize the commercial and marketing potential of an organization so just to come out with a blanket statement and say hey look at all these billion people it's it doesn't mean i can go buy those people <laughs> yeah it doesn't mean anything like it, it means that you people are aware of you and that's awesome that's super cool but anybody with a big enough budget can just come in and buy that right they, they can if they want that's not saying they should the power of sport and the power of sponsorship, particularly in association and driving credibility for new brands and driving um, driving brands into new areas of the world, which is where Manchester United have been amazingly successful uh, in helping brands around the world uh, piggyback off their brand as a sp- local sponsor. Th- these are the things that people should be really, really concentrating on. But th- you've got to be doing it with a really great data strategy behind it because this is where the world's going.
0: Yeah, this is what the the algorithms are building for us. So I guess that first understand the algorithm and also, you know, have have an army of your own. (laughs) Sanj, it has been such a pleasure to have you, man. I can't leave without asking you a last and more personal question, you know, to share a little bit more of your spirit. Um, Let's suppose that you find, you know, Aladdin's lamp, you know, start to... You know, touch it and out of a sudden you get the gene from an Aladdin, uh, the, the one we all know. So and he, he offers you one wish, just one. What would you, what would you ask for?
1: One wish. Well, wow. I think that's, a, that's an interesting one. Um, so I'm involved in a number of other organizations outside of my, my, my day job, um, one of which is a newly launched business in Thailand, which is working to um, rebuild and preserve coral reefs um uh, around the island um not sure if you, your list you and your listeners are aware coral reefs are basically the lungs of the ocean right um helping um drive more um awareness of these kind of things is super important but actually the main thing that i i guess i would answer is um that we what we should really be focusing on how to raise more awareness and drive more um, uh, effective change in in climate. Um, That's what I'd ask for, is that basically a blanket, kind of every organization has this real spirit towards carbon neutral and more, because that's what the world is.
0: Man, to bring awareness on such an important and relevant you know, topic, I guess that there's no one better than you that knows about marketing and distribution. So I'm sure that everyone in the world is going to eventually know about that. Um, and Sanjit, man, I want to wrap it up right here. I want to thank you so much for coming to the Halftime Snacks. It has been such a fun experience to have you and to talk with you and learn from you and your insights. Man, it was such, a, such an episode. I can't really thank you enough. I... I'm looking forward for everything that you're going to be doing in the next couple of years, man. And I hope we stay in touch to, you know, work on things together. And anyways, thank you so much for coming to the Halftime Snacks. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you enjoy this episode, hit the subscribe button and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy learning about the business and technology behind sports, make sure you subscribe to the Sports Tech Biz newsletter. I'll leave the link in the show notes. See you all next week. Bye-bye.